Welcome to Making Disciples. In today's podcast, uh, we are going to be interviewing Danielle Strickland. If you've never come across Danielle Strickland, uh, you're going to love this. She's a speaker, she's an author, she's a social justice advocate, and she is just so passionate about her faith. And so in today's episode, uh, we're just going to talk to her about what does it mean to surrender ourselves to Jesus, uh, to give ourselves to the way of Jesus. Uh, Danielle Strickland inspires me every time I speak with her, every time I see her speak, uh, she blows me away. So uh, I hope you enjoy uh, this podcast uh, today. If you do enjoy it, don't forget to like it, to share it, uh, to subscribe to the podcast so you can get more content like this. But friends, today, Making Disciples interview with Danielle Strickland. Here we go. Welcome to Making Disciples, Danielle Strickland. Uh, I am so pleased. We did a little interview like this years ago for our preaching school, and it went down so well. So I'm really pleased we can we can do this again. Great. Could you just tell us you've started something? Last time we spoke, you worked for the Salvation Army. Mm-hmm. Uh, you now lead something called the Boundless Project. Just give us a thirty seconds. What is that? Yeah, basically, there's three nonprofits I speak and I teach and I write. And then there's three kind of nonprofits that I'm leading. One of them's called infinitum.com, yeah. uh, infinitumlife.com. And that's really about following Jesus, very yeah. similar to kind of this uh, thing that you guys are venturing. Um, and then the other one is called Brave uh, Global. And yeah. it's about mobilizing churches to reach vulnerable girls before they're trafficked. Yeah. And then the other one's a thing called Amplify Peace, which is about raising up uh, women peacemakers globally um, and also locally to make the peace. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. great. Yeah. Hey, so I, I, I heard you speak a little while ago about real discipleship. Mm-hmm. And you, you actually were talking then about uh, infinitum life. Mm-hmm. You've been talking about what it means to, to be a real disciple rather than just somebody that turns up to church. You know, mm-hmm. producing nice people. Uh, mm-hmm. Jesus never called us to be nice people. He, he t- called us to be rebels, radicals mm-hmm. who lived a new kingdom. So when, when I say to you, what is a real disciple? What, what is that for you? What does it mean to be a, a real living Jesus disciple? I think that it's a daily practice. This is what I keep coming back to, even in my own life, is just daily practice. So I think what has happened is oftentimes we get caught in this, if I think the right way, or if I read the right thing, Mm. uh, or if I think the right thing, but actually thinking is not how faith is uh, manifested. Mm. Uh, Doing is, action is like practice. So even prayer, I can think about prayer all I want, but in the end, if I'm going to be praying, I'm going to need to pray. So for me, following Jesus in a big sense is actually a daily practice of things that help me hear God and know uh, and and recognize the invitation that he gives me on a daily basis to practice what I believe. Mm. So it's actually doing something. It's the activity of doing it. Yeah, even uh, prayer you know, yeah. is an, is, uh, is an action is something that I do. So like, rather than just think, Ooh, I should pray every day. I just book yeah. time yeah. to pray and yeah. then I pray every day. And there's been a few tools that I've developed to help me 
Um, one tool that we practice, I do this daily prayer, uh, with infinitum life and it's a posture prayer. So I do it with my body. This is really helpful on a practical level for prayer, especially, you know, for people who are in, uh, like me, perhaps that struggle with sitting still, yeah. um, or really, you know, settling down and listening well, I'm not really a natural contemplative, um, yeah. But actually learning that practice of sitting down and staying still and learning to listen, those are all really good for my uh, activist life, you know. But and but you can't learn that by theory. You have to learn that by practice. So I've used a couple podcasts. One is a daily prayer. I have a 10-minute guided prayer of this uh, prayer that I use every day. Uh, on a podcast called Infinitum, if it's helpful to anybody. But it's this posture of surrender. Um, so every day I reposture myself to say, I'm not in charge of this day. This is not a day of my design. Like, God, you're in charge of this day and you're in charge of me. So uh, please take charge today. So just even that like daily intention to say this day isn't mine. Yeah. is a yeah. really great way to practice following Jesus today. You know, so that again, this isn't a one-time decision I made to follow Jesus when I was 18 years old. This is today's decision that I made to follow Jesus for today. The, this has been super helpful for me. The other posture is a posture of generosity, which is I open my hands up and I say, you know, I want to, you know, like, like Jesus said to his disciples, freely you receive, so freely give. So I usually make a confession that my natural posture is to take and to keep and to hold. That's a closed-fisted culture, I call it. That's what we're taught. And so the counterculture to that is to open your hands, which is what Jesus says. Open your hands so that you can receive. And I usually say today I need peace, forgiveness, grace. Usually I start with patience because by 8 o'clock in the morning I have three sons and I'm pretty much out. So um, – And then what I do is I say, all the stuff that I've received, mercy, I'm going to keep my hands open and my life open so that everything I've received, I will give today. (laughs) So this also helps reposition. It's not out of me. I'm not giving out of what I have. I'm giving out of what I've been freely given. So all of these kingdom resources, like when Jesus is talking about forgiveness and grace and like mercy, and those are all kingdom, those are all things we've all received. And if you think you're just mustering up that on a daily basis to try to live like Mm -hmm. Jesus lived without receiving that on a daily basis, uh, you're deluding yourself. You know, you're going to run out of that stuff in a quick hurry. So that's generosity. And then um, the third thing is uh, mission or what I like to call these days engagement. Yeah. And I make this. Yeah, I make this confession that my natural posture is to disengage. And actually, the natural cultural posture is to disengage because it's too hard. It's too complicated. It's too, those people are too needy. This issue's too big. And it creates this disengaged, cynical paralysis. And so I say, I, op- I literally open up my arms and I say, I'm, I'm saying to the world, to the needs, to the issues, to the people, to the lost, to the last, to the least, I am engaged. I'm at your disposal. I want to be involved. Mm-hmm. And then that's my intention set for the day. And then during the day, I literally just am becoming more aware of God's invitation on a daily basis to stay in that posture. So there'll be an issue that might arise and I'll get ticked off. And then I'll remember, wait a minute, this isn't my day. 
this isn't my issue. This is God's day. This is God's issue. And it, then it's a matter of acting that posture, reminding myself that that's the posture I chose for today. So just for today, I'm going to live surrendered and make this God's problem instead of mine. Yeah. And likewise, there's somebody that's asking for something and I'm like, oh, my natural posture is to like grudgingly, I can't, it's too much. I don't. And God will be like, I thought today you were going to practice being generous with your life. Uh, whether that's money or whether that's time or whether that's, you know, resource, whatever. So anyway, this practice of a daily decision in the morning and intention, and then just paying attention to where God's inviting me to practice uh, all throughout the day has been really revolutionary. And what I've discovered is that if you practice living like Jesus, you end up living like Jesus. It's the weirdest thing. So you just used the word surrender. Yeah. And I guess that's the key word, isn't it? The, the difference between somebody that consumes from Jesus, they're a crowd, they like the teaching of Jesus, they're turning up to a local church, uh, but that, that's all you've got. That They're living a spiritual life, but they're not living a, a disciple life, discipled life. The difference is surrender. I said, you know, Mark 8, pick up your cross, follow me, die to yourself. It's, yeah, and that it's the death to self. Like again, we keep one of the, one of our problems is we're we're kind of recovering from a very super spiritualized faith. So we have a whole generation that thinks faith is knowledge, and um, and that it's super spiritual. Like, how's your spiritual life? As though the rest of your life is some other thing. Yeah. Uh, or that you could even have a prayer time with God, and then the rest of your life be separate from that prayer time. And I, I think. It's not that we don't want a prayer time because that's the other extreme is that everything's prayer. You're like, well, you know, whatever. (laughs) But like you want a prayer time, but you want a posture that says, I want my whole life to be a a whole life of, I want my whole life. Everything is spiritual. I want my whole life to be an active part of it. And this is Jesus when he says, you know, come follow me, which is that, you know, die to Mm. yourself and your own interest and come follow me. It's a whole life invitation. It's it's not yeah. just come follow me with the way that you work. Yeah. Come follow yeah. me with the way you talk to your colleagues. Come follow me with the way you parent. Yeah. Like come yeah. follow me with the way you engage with uh, issues of the world. Come follow me as we head to the margins and live it. You know, like it's a whole life uh, decision. Yeah. So one of the things that's happened in the church is we've made faith such a cerebral activity. Come and hear the sermon. We're all yeah. learning to be university theologians and uh, you, you know you can't get involved with ministry until you know enough mm-hmm. and that means then that we it's all about learning the knowledge but it never then activates anything in our hearts our hearts then don't become aligned you know we don't become passionate about the things that Jesus is passionate about which means we never then activate it in the way that we start to live it out and consumers love the head knowledge but they don't want to use their hands to actually get dirty in the world so I'd love to ask you a question one of the things that you speak a lot about and it's not just about speaking about it's what you live and breathe is having a life where you are living out uh, the gospel with your hands Uh, a lot of your stories are stories of you reaching out becoming the hands of christ in the world and actually engaging with those on the on the uh, edges what was it for you uh, and you're not allowed to just say, well, it's always been there, or you're not allowed to say, well, it's the Salvation Army, so it's been a part of my culture. What was it for you that moved faith from being a historian towards Jesus, you, you hear about Jesus, you know Jesus, moving it to a place you're living and breathing and activating the stuff? What shifted it for you? 
Yeah. I remember very clearly being on a mission trip in Africa and I was part of an organization like interdenominational organization that was super strict. And, uh, and I was, you know, out of, I had worked literally every free time of the entire summer working off these things they called special blessings. You got to, if you were not listening to the rules Anyway, I had one day, I finally just gave in and did what they suggested, which was on that day, you had to tell somebody else about Jesus. And they gave you this like little tract. And I remember um, going through the tract with somebody, you know, and just really like um, going through this track and like, I call it the world's worst gospel presentation, you know. And this woman, this girl named Fatima, who was gracious enough to say, okay, fine, tell me, you know. And at the end, I remember saying, would you like to follow Jesus? You know, and she said, yeah, I, I really would. And I remember saying, like, I don't think you understood this. And I went back to the beginning. And then I, I made her do it like three or four times before I would finally let her get saved. And then um, the next day when I was reading my Bible, because I had to, I remember just like kind of just weeping. And I realized that I knew that God could save anyone. Like I, I, you know, cause he had saved me. I knew that it was possible for him to save anything, but I, I had, I had not realized until that day that God could use me to save somebody. And as soon as I realized that this Christian faith was not just about me getting free from something, but me getting free for something, that's what changed everything for me. So that changed the trajectory of my whole entire life because I was like, if God could use me to help somebody else, like if God could use my salvation to help someone else get saved, if God could use my freedom to help, then I'm, let's do this thing. And I, I went from, you know, this consumer based, which I really think that was, that moment was a salvation of sorts from my own, you know, my faith being me at the center. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's, I think what activated I think probably a true, a, a true essence of what Jesus is saying when he says, come follow me. Yeah. Yeah. So if someone's watching this and I love that phrase that you just used, I have to write it down. It, you know, we're in the center. Uh, we're in the center of our faith and it all mm-hmm. orientates around me. So we make decisions about what worship songs we like, and what church makes us feel good. And then when we think this church isn't giving me anything anymore, we move on to the next church to consume from. Uh, mm-hmm. Somebody watching this, looks at themselves and says, yeah, do you know what? I think that's, that's where I am. That's where I'm at, but I don't want to be there. I want more than that. What would be those first steps uh, that you would say, look, if you want to move into a deeper apprenticeship to Jesus, a deeper mm-hmm. discipleship of Jesus, what would you say they need to start? It's not about what they're doing, because that's, that's more doing, but you know, what, what needs to be those steps for them where they can actually start moving in being a disciple rather than being a consumer? Yeah, I think just out of my own experience, so this daily intention, I think this, we come full circle back to surrender, where your faith and your life doesn't rotate around you. And uh, I do want to say, though, that like, even all these years of doing this, like, it is tricky business, it is hard. Uh, Our narcissistic sense of life is, you know, rife and raging. So that's why I keep uh, emphasizing this daily intention, this daily prayer, this Mm. daily practice. Like, um, and for me, I would say that getting out of myself. So there's a little question that I ask myself a lot these days, and it's this: How could I be of service? 
Mm-hmm. So whatever the circumstances, so this would be a helpful thing to get out of your own, what's in it for me, which is yeah. the number one question of our dominant culture. Why would I bother? What's in it for me? And sometimes we even sort of suggest that serving the poor is good for you, which by the way, it would be, <laughs> but actually the better question is how can I serve? Like, how could I be of service in the situation? How do I serve the needs of my colleague who's in a crisis? How do I serve um, Christ in a situation. What, so it's just a bit of a posture shift. Um, yeah. And what's that? There's a beautiful Thomas Merton prayer. I don't know if you come across that, but it says like, I don't even know if I'm getting this right, but I think the desire to get it right is pleasing to you, God, <laughs> which I think is a really beautiful, cause another thing we're really good at Christians is just really being hard on ourselves yeah, for not yeah. getting it right. And I think there's a real sense in which your desire to get it right, you know, which again comes back to this language around practice is like just your desire to get it right is pleasing God. (laughs) And that as you try and as you practice and you get it right some days and you're going to get it wrong some days, you're going to get it right some days. As you do that, that's going to be pleasing to God. That's that's what discipleship is. It's like the prayer that we say, uh, Lord, I, I want to love you. But at the moment, I, I don't know if I, I am, but I want to want to love you. Right. I, I want to want to want to love you. And actually, sometimes just the prayer of God, I, I want to love you, but I'm not there yet. But I want to want to is almost more powerful than the one that says I love you. Because yeah. it's that desire of I know I'm not there, but I really want to get there. And it's the same kind of prayer, isn't it? Um, yeah. And with the conclusion that God's pleased with that prayer. It's not like a cheesy get you off the hook prayer. It's a legitimate grace filled prayer. Like even the desire to want to please God pleases God. (laughs) So if you are honest, are there moments where you look at your own life and say, gosh, I'm I've actually drifted off. I'm no longer being the disciple that I wanted to be. Are there there moments where it's almost like a light comes on for you as there's a deeper layer? There's there's another level uh, of uh, surrender because you, you you know people often see those that speak on stage and say oh you've got it sorted you don't know where my you know you, you're nothing like me but the reality is uh, just because we're on a stage does it actually mean absolute squat uh, but are there moments for you where you you know in recent years where you've said gosh I've I've missed it there's more and I, I haven't done that yet yeah I think there's daily moments of that I think I miss it all the time. And one of the other practices that I really love doing is the examine at the end of the day. So when I'm lying in bed mm-hmm. in whatever hotel room I'm at or at home, yeah. uh, just going through the day and looking for moments where God was gracious and inviting me in and places where I missed it at the time, but see it now. And, you know, I'm trying to condition myself that the more I intentionally see from that angle, the more I'm going to see it in the moment instead of missing it in the moment. Um, yeah, I would say absolutely. And actually the whole premise of starting this infinitum journey that we've been on was that conversation with a few of us that have been leaders for 25 years, lots of us in grassroots, like really difficult circumstances. And you would look at our life and say, wow, like those people are, you know, dying and following Jesus. But we had this real conversation is like, are we really following Jesus or are we just doing what we what we do and what we've been doing for some time. And so that lack of freshness, that lack of faith or that lack of even risk sometimes when you just do what's comfortable to you and that becomes your norm. So sometimes even faith isn't even about a specific, you know, so me working at the margins, like that's my, that's my normal. That's my comfort. 
So you really want to throw my faith into a tizzy, you know, have me work. I don't know, speaking to suburban mega churches in America, which is what I'm doing primarily right now. So that's like, what is this? That's where I get into my crisis of faith where I'm seeing, but I'm seeing God leading me and I'm trying to be obedient to him and trying to be grace filled and really being challenged to love people that I previously have judged. So, you know, so for me, it's the opposite. I'm going on the opposite trajectory of most people, but I feel like whatever it is, like whatever it is that God's inviting you to, that's the, that's discipleship is to say, okay, I'm going to work my way to follow Jesus on a daily basis and in the direction he's calling me to, not in the direction I think I should go or what so-and-so is doing or this person's life, but in what Jesus is inviting me to do. Hey, that's that's a great place to land. So thank you so much. Uh, I think the way that you articulate your faith, the way that you articulate your love for Jesus, the way that you follow Jesus... Uh, it inspires a lot of people and the reality is we get invited to speak because we inspire but yeah. sometimes actually it's the coal face where we we're we're most alive um yeah. but but then sometimes to get people on the coal face you have to go and wake yeah. them up to right, then get right. them to come don't they so uh well, thank you really, yeah. the, you know i was also going to say the difference between gifting and character you know, and just how, I mean, someone can be a fantastic speaker and still lacking in character. And those two things can go together. That's not, you know, I think we all, we're all like, ah, hypocrite, hypocrite. I mean, everybody's a hypocrite, right? So it's just about matching your gifting with your character. That's a, that's a discipleship journey, right? But, yeah. Bless you. Thank you so much for your time. You're welcome, Chris. Bless and, you too, man. Uh, I hope your future is fantastic catalyst for discipleship. Yeah, we hope so too. Bless you. Thank you for your time and hopefully catch up with you again some point in the future. Bless you. Bye-bye. Bye.